The role of the family in the church plant. 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, This is a true saying, If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, nor striker, not greedy or filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. Verse 4, One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? A lot of my comments tonight will uh, be directed to maybe some of the men and those who have a desire to pastor, but uh, obviously you ladies will uh, hopefully get some things tonight too, as your role is uh, very, very important. But let's bow for prayer, and we'll get right to it tonight. Father, we thank you for these who've come. And I pray that you would help me to be a blessing tonight. Uh, Lord, use me. Fill me with thy spirit. And I pray, most importantly, that the word of God would, uh, would speak to us. And Lord, how important it is that our families are on board and that our families are participating and that they're being fed spiritually. And Lord, I pray that you would allow us to have families that would honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, specifically tonight in the area of planting churches. So, Lord, thank you so much, and thank you for this chance to be here. We'll give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the church planting family is a wonderful team that God can use to help establish and build up a New Testament local Baptist church for the glory of Jesus Christ, what the conference is all about. This church planting family must express a great commitment to the work of the local church while at the same time exercising a great caution, balancing time between the work of the ministry and the work of the family. Uh, God wants to use your family to be a great blessing to see people saved, baptized, added to the church, ministries raised up, and it's so important that you have a godly family. Our passage tonight, 1 Timothy chapter 3 it's very clear the qualifications for a bishop, a pastor, that the, uh, the, the, the pastor must have a family that's in subjection, the children, verse, uh, verse number 4. And then it says in verse 5 that if he can't rule his own house well, how can he take care of the house of God? This subject tonight is uh, really near and dear to my heart, and I appreciate you being here. I want to start off with sharing with you a little bit of my testimony, and um, th this subject really has grabbed my attention over the years, and, and here's why. When I was in, uh, well, my, my I'll start this way. My grandfather was a Baptist preacher in Wisconsin, pastored four churches. Uh, my family, just after I was born, in uh, 1980 I was born, 81 we moved out to Fresno, California, and started going to church, and my dad was a deacon, my mom was in the choir, they did Sunday school, they did junior church, all the things that uh, we do in church. And uh, when I was in fifth grade, uh, tragically, uh, my family went through a, a divorce. Now, I'm not going to give you the details about um, who was right, who was wrong, not the purpose tonight, no shaming tonight. Just a matter of fact that my family uh, split up. My dad went his way, my mom went her way. And the situation was that we lived with mom 90% of the time, and every other weekend, uh, my brother and I, my younger brother, we went to dad's house, and 
that was the situation with my family. Maybe some of you in this room tonight, uh, you've been through a family that unfortunately and tragically has, uh, has split up. So you understand where I'm coming from tonight. I know what it's like to go to high school graduation to see mom on one side and dad on the other side. I know what it's like to uh, <clears throat> walk across this platform, get my diploma in 2001 and have dad sitting in a separate row from mom. And of course, uh, during that whole time, then stepdad comes into the picture and stepmom comes into the picture and stepbrothers and stepsisters and all that stuff. And, and uh, Christmas one year with mom and Christmas Eve with dad. Then the next year, Christmas Eve with dad. Christmas, and that's how it went. Mom went to this church, dad went to this church, and, and, and it was just, uh, it, it was what it was. And during my high school years, I, uh, I actually became very, very bitter and angry that God would allow something like that to happen. I mean, all I wanted was a mom and a dad and a, what we call a normal family, and, and uh, that's what I wanted. And for some reason, God allowed what happened and my family to happen. And I got bitter at God. I really got upset. In fact, I said in my heart, and I'm being honest about it, I at one time said in my heart that I was growing close to hating my parents. I was that angry and bitter at them for the divorce. One night at our church at Central Baptist in Clovis, Pastor Martins preached a message on bitterness and anger. And that night, the Holy Ghost of God, through the preaching of the Word of God, got a hold of my heart. And I'm telling you, I was out of my seat quickly during the invitation time, went down to the altar, <clears throat> got right with God. That night went home, apologized to my mom, called my dad on the phone, said, Dad, I've had a rotten attitude towards you. Uh, it doesn't matter what happened. I love you, and I'm, I'm sorry for my attitude. Got right with my dad. To this day, love both my parents, love all my family. Everything is good. But uh, I went through that. And then shortly after my parents got divorced at our church, my, uh, my pastor fell from the ministry and um, went through that as a young man. And I remember <clears throat> the deacons having to stand before the church and letting us know that our pastor, whom we love, fell from the ministry. And shortly after that, his family split up. Then I remember as a uh, staff member and even as a teenager there, as uh, our new pastor came in, Pastor Martins, a couple of times, very few times, watching as maybe a Sunday school teacher or somebody else prominent in the church, their family would split up. And I've seen this several times. And now as a pastor, seeing it uh, even in a six-year-old church plant, seeing tragedy strike families. And I've seen some terrible examples. Praise God, I've seen some great examples. And, and uh, Pastor Chapel, kids serving in the ministry, and Dr. Getchett, men like that, and my pastor. And uh, praise God for the wonderful examples of the way it should be done. But if you keep your eyes open, you'll see a lot of the bad as well. God began to get a hold of my heart <clears throat> as a pastor. One of the most important things in the church plant is that the families are taught and trained and given an example of what a biblical family should look like. God began to stir my heart as a young pastor saying, Owens, I want you to make an emphasis on the biblical family. 
We've done a lot of teaching on it. We've done a lot of preaching on it. We've had family conference. We've had men come in and speak on the family. <clears throat> We've made, made a big deal about the family. And understand, and you know what I'm saying is true, that we live in a day where Satan is out to destroy the Christian family. Because a biblical marriage is a picture of Jesus Christ and his love for the church. That's what it is. A biblical marriage is the greatest gospel tract this world could ever see. Satan wants to destroy that. Read Ephesians 5. <clears throat> so with what I've seen and with what I experienced as a fifth grader, God began to stir in my heart that, Owens, if you're going to be in the ministry, and if I'm going to call you, and if I'm going to use you at all, you would better make sure your family is protected, you are invested you better make sure you do this thing right. And I'm not saying I've done it all right. I'm telling you, I'm learning a lot. This is something God is growing in, me, in my heart and in my life. But the role of the family in the church plant is so vital. Listen, before you ever step out to plant a church, you better make sure God is in it. Because your family is so very important. So tonight for a few minutes... I want to speak to you on the role of the family in the church plants. Ladies, listen carefully. Men, listen carefully. This, this seriously tonight is so important. Look, you can, you can preach with a style that maybe is not the most exciting and maybe no one will ever say, boy, you're a great conference speaker. Or, you know, you're just, but I'm telling you, you may not be the greatest preacher, but what you ought to strive for is to have a biblical family. People will see that, and it will affect them in the church plant. So let me give you some things tonight. Practically, I'm going to speak on something that's very near and dear to my heart that we implemented in the Owens family, and uh, I hope it will be a blessing to you tonight. Number one tonight in your notes, the privilege of having your family involved in the church plant. The privilege. And it really is a privilege. And I talked to my wife today, and tonight when I get home... I have four kids waiting for me. Tyler's my oldest. He's 12. And uh, Alex is 10. Uh, then Wesley is four. And little Avery, the, the princess, the queen, the one that runs the home. She's a year and a half. And she knows she runs the home too. And I love my four kids and they're waiting for me. What a privilege it is to have a family. What a privilege it is to be married and have a wife that loves you and cares for you. And, and, and today my wife and I talked about something and and she said, I'm so very glad that I've had the opportunity to pour my heart and soul into Victory Baptist Church. And I'm telling you, that means more to me than anything else. Your family is so very important. Let me give you a couple of thoughts on this letter A. Your delight in the plan of God. This thing of the family is not something we just made up. This is the plan of God. You understand that? God's plan from Genesis chapter 2 is, uh, is that a man would leave us. Uh, he talks about the man and Adam and bringing Eve. And, and we can look at the plan later that a man would leave his father and mother and a wife as well. They would become one flesh. They would cleave. Let me read you verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Proverbs 18.22, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. And I know this is not a lesson tonight on dating and courtship or whatever word you like to use, but can I just say this tonight? If you want to be in the ministry, or I'll say this, even if you're not going to be in the ministry as a, as a, a church planner, but you're going to be a faithful Christian, which you ought to be, you better make sure you marry the right person. 
You had better make sure you take seriously dating and courtship and all. Don't play games with it. Ladies, don't just go over to the first guy that, uh, you know, blinks his eye at you and tells you a nice dress, you know. Uh, don't go after the first guy. Make sure God's in it. Get counsel. Be patient. Prayer. Fasting. Because who you end up saying I do to is the one that's going to help you make or break your ministry. Marriage is not a game. Marriage is not something you play with. It is the plan of God, but make sure you follow God's plan, not your plan. You will delight in the plan of God. Letter B, you will depend on one another. Just some introductory thoughts. We're talking about the privilege of having your family involved in the church plan. Letter B, you will depend on one another. Ephesians 5.21, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. When you're starting a church and you don't have that many people coming, I think our first Sunday, uh, we had 60 people. Half were from our sending church. Uh, then half of that was family that came to cheer me on that first Sunday. And the rest, I think we had, uh, I don't know, 17, 18 people from our area. We had, I think we had canvassed 15,000 homes, knocked on doors, visits, visits. And I was thankful for every one of them that came. And God began to bless, and we grew just a little bit here and there. But I'm telling you, not all of them know about church. Hardly any of them knew about church or, you know, all this stuff. And, and, and you know what it's like. You have church, everybody heads right out the back door, and, and you're just stuck there with your family. They don't know these things. So guess what? You've got your family there. You're going to depend on one another for setup, takedown, for encouragement. You know, there's sometimes in, in ministry when uh, you don't have anybody else to talk to, but you have your wife. She could be a real blessing. You know, sometimes your wife will tell you something like this, fellas. Sometimes she'll say, honey, it'll be okay, trust the Lord. And sometimes she'll tell you this, quit whining and suck it up. And a good wife will tell you that. You come home with a pity party and you're upset. Someone got mad at you or the ministry didn't turn out right. And you say, man, I don't know about that. And you're whining and you're moping and you're, you're having a bad attitude. And your wife says, are you going to stop already? <laughs> yes, ma'am, I will right now, you know. Yes, ma'am. And, and, and that's good. And, and God has given you your wife and ladies, your husbands as well. And, and depending on one another, being there for one another. Oh, ministry is wonderful. And you've heard it this week. There are burdens that come with the ministry. There are hard times that come in the ministry. And sometimes, especially in a church plant, you're not going to have, you know, tons of deacons and people to talk to and get counsel. Hey, brother, I don't know, how should we handle this? Or deacon so-and-so, what should we do? Or staff. Sometimes it's just your family, and it's a blessing to come home and know your wife is there with you, and she'll pray with you and help you take your burden to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can depend on one another. You can encourage one another. Fellowship with one another. Have fun serving. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Working together. Man, making, making the ministry a family endeavor. All that's important. It's a blessing to have a wonderful wife who's there for you. And ladies, a husband who loves you, takes care of you. And uh, you're there for one another in, uh, in, the, in the ministry. Letter C, you will demonstrate a biblical pattern. Now, you're planning a church, and God might, as we heard this week, God may bring some folks along from different places to help who, who have been around the block a few times, and that's a blessing. But look, if you're planning a church, you're going after unsaved people. You're going to plan on going soul winning, amen? 
winning folks to Christ and baptizing. And as uh, Brother Armstrong talked in his session earlier, you may not have been in there, but you talk about uh, our society, there's a lot of folks, in fact, majority of people don't know what a biblical family looks like. The days of mom and dad getting married and staying married for 40, 50, 60 years and, and Bobby and Susie raising up with a white picket fence and a dog and all that stuff. People don't know about That's fairy tale these days. Look, we got people coming into Victory Baptist that have been married two or three times. We have a couple kids, you know, from different people, don't even understand about marriage. No big deal to live together before you're married. No idea. And when they come into a church and they see a husband loving his wife and they see a wife loving and reverencing her husbands, Ephesians 5 talks about husbands and wives, children who have some kind of respect for their parents and obedience, when dad says, stop running in the church, yes, sir, and they're having fun, and they're smiling, and they're serving. That'll be an example to new Christians in the church. So the plan of God is for you, obviously, in marriage, and when you have children, and you go into a church plant, guess what you are? You're an example of what you're preaching and teaching. You want to scream at your wife before the service because the nursery didn't get set up straight? You're a bad example. You want to gripe at your husband for this and that, then you're not being a good example. Those new Christians are watching you. Uh, you've been here long enough. You've heard pastor talk about being hospitable and having folks over to your home and new members' receptions. And we, uh, we have people over at least two or three times a month. And uh, we take a little bit of a break there and give my wife a break because she's the one that does the cooking and the food preparation. I just say, come on over and look good for doing it. She does all the work, so we take a little break there. And uh, we have people over. Good Christian music playing. We, uh, we have chairs set up. We have good conversation. They see that a home can be happy. The kids are playing. And yet we're honoring Jesus Christ. We pray before the meals. My wife has made sure the house looks clean. We're having a good testimony for Jesus Christ. All these things are important. And they see us working together. That, look, your family's going to be a pattern for new believers. Make sure you do God's will in marriage. So important. You'll be a biblical pattern. Take your Bible. Oh, you're there. First Timothy chapter 3, verse uh, 5. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? First Timothy 4, 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and in purity. I uh, graduated from West Coast. And I went to go pastor in Boron, California, a couple, uh, about an hour from here. Uh, was there for about a year and a half, two years as the uh, intern youth pastor. Went on the weekends. Pastor John Getz Jr. was there. He resigned and went to go uh, work in another ministry. And I stayed as the pastor for a couple years. And a little small town, 1,500 people. Good little church. And I remember the uh, first time a man came into the church, met me in the office. I'm 21 years old, just got married, just started pastoring. He said... Pastor, I cheated on my wife five or six years ago. She just found out about it, wants to leave me and take the kids. He looked at me in the eye. I'm 21 years old. He said, how do I fix my marriage? And I just stared at him. I didn't know what to tell him. I reached over to the uh, bookshelf, grabbed the sword of the Lord pamphlet, said, here, read this. This will help you out. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. And you know what? I was just starting off in my marriage. Now, I gave him some biblical principles and tried to lead him to Christ and forgiveness and all that stuff. But I'm telling you, they'll watch you and everything you say and all that you do, it's going to make an impact on your new church plant. 
your family. The privilege of having a family. Just the fact they're there is a blessing. Number two in your outline, the preparation of your family for the church plant. So God's called you to be involved with a church plant. Ladies, you're going to marry a church planter or be a pastor's wife or a missionary. Fellas, you're going to go into a church situation, revive a church or plant a church. Now, how do you prepare your family? Let's, uh, let's imagine that uh, you're married, and let's say you got a, a kid or two, and uh, your husband's been called to plant a church. Fellas, God's laid it on your heart, a leadership conference. He wants you to go to a city, go to Los Angeles, and plant a New Testament, local New Testament Baptist church. You're excited about it? And you can't just uh, one night at dinner say, hey, I got some news for everybody. We're going to move to Los Angeles tomorrow, plant a church. We're packing up the U-Haul tonight. You got to prepare them a little bit. And when you have a family, as I did, and you have a couple of kids, this is a great opportunity to prepare them for the exciting adventure of planting God's local church in southeast Fresno, California. In Nehemiah, we won't take time to read it, but in Nehemiah chapter 2, he went out, if you remember, he was going back to rebuild the wall, and he went and surveyed at night the area. He passed the gates, he passed the ports, he, uh, he, he saw all this, and, and then he got everybody together in Nehemiah chapter 2, and this is what it says in verses 17 and 18. Then said I unto them, ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and all the gates that are burned with fire. Come, let us, not just Nehemiah, come let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more reproached. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. And Nehemiah had the vision he had the call of God, but then he communicated and cultivated that vision with those around him, and he excited them, and they, they, they caught the vision, and you know what they said? Nehemiah, this one's on you. No, they said, man, let us strengthen our hands. We're in this thing, and sir, you know what you need? You need your wife to be in that thing. You need your kids to be in that thing. Boy, you need to know she's committed. You need to know your family's in it. Now, your kids may not know everything. Son, you're going to stay fundamental with your dad at that? You're not going to know what you're talking about. But man, get your kids excited about it. Kids, we're going to plant a church. We're going to serve God. Make it more exciting than Disneyland. You've got to communicate that to your family. Pray with your wife about it. Don't just bomb it on your wife. Maybe, maybe your spouse, fellas, maybe your wife has lived in the same area as her folks her whole life. And all of a sudden, you're going to drop an honor. You're going to move across the country to plant a church where mom and dad ain't there anymore. Be careful. Talk to her. Pray about it with her. Fast. Make sure you do it right. Well, honey, if you really love God, you're going to follow me. Go plant the church. Dummy. Do it the right way. And prepare your family. And I think you have letter A and B in there, but I messed up when I sent the notes off, so don't worry about A and B anyways. Communicate to your family and cultivate that passion with your family. Just a couple of uh, thoughts I had. Take a survey trip with your family. I mean, drive around. Go to the area you're going to plant a church. Show them, hey, that's the library right there. See all these homes, son? That's, we're going to win those folks to cry. cast the vision. Take a survey trip. Put a map up of the city. Uh, go to the family room. And get one of those big uh, Rand McNally maps and laminate it. Put it on. That's our city, boys. That's our city. Get them excited about the city. Have memorized the zip code or so. Just make it a big thing. Take a special family offering. 
get a big, get one of those five-gallon jars and say, kids, we're, we're going to save money, our allowance, so we can get tracks to, I mean, make it exciting. And then maybe even study the history of the city. Do things to get your family prepared and excited. You know, I've heard many missionaries say that when God laid a country on their heart, they went straight to the library and checked out every book they could on that country and studied it. You know what would be a good idea for church planners to know the city God's called them to go to. Get your kids excited. Get your wife excited. Get on board with God's plan and claim that city for Jesus Christ. Don't just drop it on them the night before you you load up the U-Haul. Prepare, pray, fast. Get your family to catch the vision with you. Prepare your family. Number three tonight, the the participation of your family in the church plan. All right, you're preparing. You're ready to go. Or maybe you just started the church plant. How is the family involved? Letter A, the, uh, participate purposefully. Purposefully. Make sure your family understands why you're doing what you're doing. Dad, why are we leaving home? Grandma and Grandpa lives there. Why are we coming all the way out to, I've got no friends here. Our old church is back home. Why are we doing this? Communicate the purpose. What's the purpose? Glorify Jesus Christ. Boys, we're going to a city. We're going to reach. I know your friend, but we'll make new friends. We'll win some boys and girls to Christ. Man, make it exciting. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Give your family a purpose for what they're doing. If you have the purpose of glorifying Jesus Christ, they will be excited about it. Letter B, participate passionately. Passionately. Romans 12, 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Listen, you go to a, you go to a new area, you start a church. Ladies, fellas, you have to be fervent. You cannot be lazy. You can't just sit around in the living room saying, well, I just hope people come to the first day. you got to get out there and out there and out there and study and study. Ladies, you got to get behind. you got to sweat. you got to get tired. you got to be fervent. Why? You're doing this for Jesus Christ. Passionately. Purposefully. Get involved. Show your support. Be the, well, you got a new church. you got ten folks coming. you be the first ones there. you be the last ones. Ladies, don't bug your health. Can we go home now? Kids are hungry. I'm hungry. Be the last ones to leave. I mean, make this thing the most important thing in all the world. Passionately. Get involved in it. Well, I just don't know. I, you know, I'm not into it. Look, if you're not into it, don't ever start. Passionately. When we first started, we didn't, uh, we didn't really have uh, a lot of folks to, to help. After that first Sunday, everybody went back to their home church. And, and so... My wife worked in nursery. We had a couple of fellows from the college coming up at that time. They helped out with this and that. But we didn't have ushers. And my son Tyler was, um, that time would have been uh, six or seven years old. And um, now I wouldn't do it now. But I said, Tyler, you're one of our church ushers. He got all excited, got out his bow tie. I said, rules are for ushering. You got to wear a tie or a bow tie. I didn't have them written out, but that's what the rules were. So he and one of the men took the offering. 
Well, we had a small church. They thought it was exciting. Oh, the pastor's son is the usher. How cute, you know. And, and, but boy, Tyler thought that was the most important thing in the world. I've got pictures of him, man, and hair comb. He's got a smile passing out the offering plate, you know. And I taught him when people don't give, look mean at them to make sure they get. No, I didn't teach him that. But man, he thought it was the most important thing in all the world. You know why? It was. He was helping his family plant a church for the glory of God. Now, we've got men that do it now, and perhaps it wouldn't be maybe appropriate to, appropriate to have, you know, a, a seven-year-old take the offering. But back then, we were a family. We were a team. We were in it together. And my son was willing to take the offering. Now, we didn't have him count the offering. <laughs> he probably would have added too many zeros and got me happy after the service. He didn't know how to count that well. But he was excited about it. And we had some others count the offering. <clears throat> I mean, be in it. I mean, yeah, you get tired. I mean, uh, but, but fervent, fervent. Here's a couple ideas that helped us. Get everything ready you can Saturday night. Don't wait Sunday morning to pack up the car. We started at the Piccadilly Inn. We rented out conference rooms. We had church in the back of the CRV. Man, we put the nursery toys in there. We put the, uh, <clears throat> not the playpen, what is, that? what is that? Pack and play in there, playpen, whatever you call it. And we had the hymn books in there. We had the keyboard in there. We had the A-frame signs in there. Everything packed. I've got so many scratches and dings in the back of my car. It's great. And we packed that thing up. We, we set it all up, lined up all the chairs at the hotel, got us set up. Get ready. Saturday night, have all the clothes ironed laying out on the couch. Just be ready to go. Jump out of bed, get breakfast, have devotions, get up ready to go. I mean, just be fervent. Hey, tomorrow's church. We got church tomorrow. Don't wake up cranky, don't wake up mad, don't go to church fighting. I mean, have the right spirit, be filled with the spirit of God. Serve passionately. And then let her see, participate pleasantly. Pleasantly. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the spirit, you know it, love, joy, peace, and so on. What do you mean pleasantly? Fellas, uh, especially you, that when you start a church, a lot of things will go wrong. Think about it. You're starting a church and you've got uh, maybe 15, 20 people coming and your wife's the nursery director. Your wife runs children's Sunday school. Your wife does this. Your wife does special music. And guess what happens? One of the kids wake up sick with the flu Sunday morning. I don't care. Give him a barf bag. He's coming to church for the glory of God. I can't do that. She's got to stay home. Now, you have an option. Either you can get real cranky about that or just realize that God's in control. All right, you have a service. You got two or three families coming. You got one that's going to join the church. But as soon as one joined the church, one leaves because it's not their kind of church. They checked you out for a couple of weeks and they want something different. You're all bummed and discouraged about it. Your wife says, honey, how was the service tonight? Don't ask me till Monday. Watch out for your attitude. Have a pleasant attitude when dealing with your family. You're in it together. You need one another. And it gets discouraging. And there are some times when, when, when you got to battle that flesh and you got to be filled with the Spirit of God. Participate pleasantly. Encourage your family. Hey, great job today, guys. Boy, go out for a dip cone from McDonald's after Sunday night. Hey, boys, did a great job. Tyler, excellent job maneuvering through the pews, taking the offering tonight, man. You're one of a kind, boy. Great job. Hey, Alex, you put out the hymn books just right. Honey, that was a great special tonight. I know you're tired. How about we get an ice cream cone? Encourage your family. Compliment your family. 
and be, be kind, be pleasant to your family. The participation of your family. Get involved. I mean, give it all you got. I mean, sink or swim. Put everything you have into it and be a team. Be a team. Number four. The priority of your family in the church plant. Now, this is an area that God uh, has really been developing in my heart the last couple years. And so I'm growing in this area. Uh, you can learn much from some of the older men uh, that have already spoken here, I'm sure. But the priority of your family in the church plant. When, I, when we started Victory Baptist, our home church sent us out to plant the church and we got going. I thought that perhaps there would be like a honeymoon period. I thought that perhaps for the first six months, everybody would just smile and be excited Everything would go smooth. And I thought for the first six months, boy, we're just going to preach and have a great time. Didn't happen like that. I mean, not even a month into the church plant, a couple comes into the Sunday morning service. And they sit down. And during the preaching, uh, the only noise, you know, we didn't have a lot of folks say men and all that. And, and now we have some. And one of the rooms we rented out was right next to the bar at the hotel. So we didn't hear amens. We heard a lot of noise in the bar. Gave me a good chance to preach on alcohol, but uh, nevertheless, we, uh, we were right by the bar. And this family, this husband and wife uh, came into the church, and they, the whole sermon, oh, that's good. Amen, preacher. Mm-hmm, yes, that's good. And I thought, I like this couple. Hope they stick around. And I'm outside the room after the morning service, shaking hands. They come right up. Pastor, that was a blessing. I mean, didn't skip a beat. Pastor, that was a blessing. Great sermon. We're going to come back. By the way, do you do marriage counseling? Uh, yeah, but I'm thinking to myself, we're not at six months yet. No marriage counseling yet. <laughs> they said, and we, we tried to help them out. And we tried, we tried to be a blessing. But you know what I found out real fast? It doesn't matter if you're starting a church or you're an assistant. You will be very, very busy in the ministry. There is always someone to counsel. There's always a sermon to prepare. You go on vacation. Your sermon deadline doesn't go away. There's order of services, there's, there's, there's conferences to plan, there's, there's things to do. And here's where the, the real balance comes in. Sir, let me, let me speak to you for just a minute from my heart tonight. Is you are going to have to learn to properly balance serving even a small church and taking care of your family correctly. You can't tell your family, look, you guys just hide out for the first three years and, and I'll come back to you. No, no, no. Because you've heard it said many times, you lose your family, you lose your ministry. Your family is so very important. I told myself, as much as I love my mom and dad, I don't want to go through. I don't want my boys to face what I faced in fifth grade. I don't want them to go through that. God began to work on my heart several years ago as we just a few years into the church plant, not that I was neglecting my family, but God began to burden my heart to put more emphasis in our church and in my heart towards my family, this thing of a biblical family. Oh, it's so important. Letter A, provide for your family. Provide for your family. You'll probably raise some support and then step out by faith as Pastor Chapel talked about. There have been times when I've worked a couple of side jobs just to get money to put my kids in Christian school. 
flyer outs for these businesses, putting flyers on doors or, you know, working a part-time job here or there. What I'm saying is provide for your family. Don't make your family go with, you know, rags to church. Uh, you know, uh, j- just provide for your family. I'm sure you understand that. First Timothy 5, 8. But if any man provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worth it an infidel. I understand faith. But faith doesn't mean you can be lazy. Provide for your family. Letter B, and this one I'll spend just a moment on because we're running out of time. Letter B, present to your family. Would you take your Bibles for just a moment and would you please go to Deuteronomy chapter number 6. I'd like you to turn there and look at it with me if you would please. Deuteronomy chapter number 6, beginning in verse number 4. Present to your family. Provide for your family, letter A, letter B, present to your family. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse number 4. God here gives instructions to dads and to moms and to the uh, authority in the home on how they're supposed to raise up and train and teach their children. God began to get a hold of my heart through this passage and others. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And amen to that. Verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Verse 7. And thou shalt teach them. And what's the next word, class? What is it? Diligently unto thy children. He's not talking to pastors. He's not talking to Sunday school teachers. He's talking to families. Now I understand the rabbis were involved in the you know synagogue coming up and the temple and all that all that kind of stuff we read about the you know uh, in the New Testament the tabernacle and the temple in the Old Testament and and uh, I understand the pastor and the church teach preach but verse seven and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up and thou shalt bind them for a uh, sign upon thine head and they shall be as frontlets verse twelve. Then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Verse 13. And thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him. Verse 20. When thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded us? When your son asks you, you should be willing to give a Bible answer. Listen, listen. In the church plant, in the ministry, You can have a thousand things to do, but hear me tonight. One thing you cannot forget and neglect, and that is to disciple your family in the Word of God. It must be a priority. Nothing must come before that or between you and your family. One main job you have as a parent when you have children and with your wife when you get married, with your husband, is you disciple your family. Listen, fellas, the most important people in your life you're responsible to disciple is not the kids in the Sunday school, it's your children at home. And if we're not careful in the church plant and the ministry in general, we will forget to present to our families God. You can look at Timothy. And you can read about uh, young Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.5. 
when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 14 and 15, Paul goes on to say to Timothy, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and that from a child, a child, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. I understand Timothy had to get saved, but praise God for a mama and a grandmother that taught him the Bible when his daddy was lost. Your family should be taken care of above any other family in the church. Provide for your family. Present God to your family. Psalm 78, verses 6 and 8. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who shall arise and declare to them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Do you know right now, I am, I am, I am preparing my boys to train their children. Do you realize right now I am influencing my grandkids and they're not even close to being here yet? How are you preparing your grandkids? By preparing my sons. And I want them to know God. And I want them to love God. And you know whose responsibility that is in the Owens home? It's mine. I had a man come to me just a week or two ago. We were counseling and doing some talking. And he said, Pastor, since we've been to Vic Victory Baptist Church, my family has grown. He said, we're doing family devotions. I said, brother, that is wonderful. You know what? That thrilled my heart that week. Now, I want to talk to you for just a moment. Now, I've got just six minutes left. One of the most important things that you can do during the week is family worship. Family devotions. Sir, you must set a time that is a priority for your family to get together where you lead them to know God. Here's how we do it in the Owens household. We have several nights during the week. When I'm gone, my wife prays with them and reads the Bible. Here's what we do. We set a time. Every Monday night for sure is family devotion time. We make it a priority. There's other nights as well. When we gather the family together in the living room, sometimes the kids have already gotten their pajamas on, and we sit down, bring your Bibles, boys, it's time for family devotions. They all grab their Bibles. Even little Wesley, who can't read yet, we get him in the habit of getting his Bible and bringing it to family worship, where dad, as his responsibility, is to teach his kids about God. Look, do you think if the kids in your church, all they get is Sunday school and maybe Wednesday night, do you think that's enough? No, they need it from mom and dad during the week. Come on, kids, family, family devotion time. <clears throat> they get around the table. We start off with a couple of songs. We sing a hymn. We sing a kid's song. And then we sing a scripture song. We memorize the Bible by singing it. There's many resources to give you a lot of scripture songs. We sing. And then I pray, God, give us a great devotion time. Open up our hearts and I'll give a devotion. Sometimes it'll be an encouraging devotion. <clears throat> Sometimes I'll teach them a doctrine. We just went over the resurrection of Christ. We've been over justification. We've been over the blood atonement. Sometimes we just talked about obedience, the love of God. And I'm teaching my boys the doctrine of the word of God. And then we have prayer time. Sometimes we get out the missionary prayer cards. By the way, do you know missionary prayer cards are there for you to take so you pray for them? <laughs> That's what they're there for. 
and we hand out the prayer cards. My boys can see their faces, know their names, know their kids' names. We hand them out. Some, some devotions night, uh, devotion nights will have each kid pray for a missionary and their short prayers. Some nights will have all the kids pick a family in the church and they'll pray for a family in the church. Sometimes we'll have them pray for someone who they know is lost. We'll pray for them. But we take turns praying and then dad leads in prayer. And then at the end we make it kind of fun. We have Bible drills. Boy, my kids love that. And in it right now it is a, it is a, uh, it is a death match between Tyler and Alex. And whenever Alex wins, he kind of gloats about it. And we have a great time. So we make it a little fun at the very end. I'm talking 20 minutes. Look, we'll sit down our families in front of the TV and watch hours of television, which will do nothing to help them get closer to Jesus Christ. 20 or 30 minutes a night in the Bible is only going to do good for your family. Family devotions and family worship is missing from the church. And if you're going to plan a church or be in the ministry, you have got to decide now, we will have family worship at home. We will teach our children. We will love them. We will teach them the word of God. I want you to listen to this quote, and I'm, I've got to be done. Spurgeon said, I pray you so live. That when you stand over your child's dead body, you may never hear a voice coming up from that clay that says, Father, your negligence was my destruction. Mother, your prayerlessness was the instrument of my damnation. Oh, your family is your team. Provide, present to them. I'll just read the, the rest of you. Pay attention to your family. Give them proper time. Have a day off. Spend it with your family. Letter D, play with your family. Have a blast. Don't, don't be a, a mean, cranky, fundamental church planner. Be an exciting one. Have fun. Right now, my boys, we love to play baseball. Man, we're out there playing baseball all the time. They collect baseball cards. We go to the baseball card shops, and, and uh, we go out to eat. Our favorite thing to do is go to Costco on Monday, $1.50 for a Polish dog and a soda. Somebody say amen right there. You say, why do you go? There's a good? No, I'm just cheap. That's the only reason why. But that's our family tradition. We love it. Twelve bucks, man. Hot dogs, sodas, churros. Owen's family is happy for the week. Have fun. Play with your family. We have wrestling matches with the boys. Praise God. My son's tall. I still win. And uh, play with your family. Date nights with your wife. Take care. Pay attention to them. Then letter E, protect your family. Protect the spirit of your family. Don't, don't complain about church members to your family. Don't complain about the ministry to your kids. Make sure your kids grow up and leave your home thinking the ministry is the greatest thing in the world. You know why? Because one day when they're an adult and they're in church by themselves, they'll figure out that they're burdens too. But you give them the greatest experience. See, your family is your greatest team. They're the, your family are the greatest members of your church. And the church plant is not about you going and doing it and hoping your family, come on, get with the program. It's you as a team serving God together. But make sure you protect them. Make sure you play with them. Make sure you plan. Make sure you present God to them. Because if you lose your family, you may just lose your ministry. Love your family with all your heart. Mary Wright, your family is so very, very important. And go to Costco on Mondays. Amen.